All right, let's get going. <laughs> it's good to have you at the chapel this morning. Get comfortable. Get out some paper. Get your phone ready to turn to the Bible. As you're finding a seat, I want to uh, encourage you. We have uh, a missionary, our missionary, Alex, is in Cambodia. Him and Nettie usually sit right here to my right, your left, and uh, talk to him this week. And he is uh, just doing a great job. You can see me up in the top right corner. Always wanted Alex to look up to me, but you know, anyway. I hope he's watching online just because of that. But uh, we want to uh, remind you, if you would like to give an offering today, we're going to send him uh, an offering uh, this week so that he can get into the final stages of this visit. He's going to be home middle of June, and then he'll go back in December, him and his wife. So we wanted to provide resources. I know that he's uh, putting together a leadership kind of training for those people in Cambodia, and, and we're seeing... I'm seeing through him, he's telling me the wonderful things that are happening through the Word of God, being able to be put into a place of darkness, and, and the light is just uh, radiant. So that'll be at the end of the service when you leave. Our ushers will have offering uh, plates so that you can, uh, so that you can uh, give. Uh, we can bring out buckets if the offering plates aren't big enough. We, we can make a way. All right. Well, this morning, I've handed out a sheet of paper through the ushers, and I hope you've got one already. We've got plenty. If you didn't, raise your hand or look in the back, and I'm sure that they'll be able to help you out. But but some of those things that are on your sheet, just, just take with you and, and put it in front of you during the week. Some of the things that we've been talking about over the last several months, and, and you know, your pastor likes to tweak your, your paradigm. Because sometimes we do not question some of the things we think, prejudice or uh, political correctness or all the things that go on in our mind that, that put us in a way of thinking that, that is just not, it, it's not right. It's not lining up with the Word of God. And, and therefore, we have to realize that there's things that are going off on the subconscious level that, that just doesn't need to be there. We need to bring them into reality. Okay, put up that verse, Romans chapter... Eight. Let's start with this. This is um, a passage of scripture that I want us to read together. Uh, do we have it out of the message translation? Do we have it out of the message translation? For some reason, I feel a song coming on. No, relax. Lisa's almost choked on her water right there. <laughs> I'm going to read it out of the message translation because it has the, the punch that I want it to have instead of, I believe it was in the New Living. Okay, here it is. Watch this. What we're talking about is this resurrection life. We sang about the wonderful love of God, and He offers it to us. That's through the covenant, and that's through the agreement of us receiving Him into our life and making Him Lord and Savior of our life. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Can I get an amen? amen. 
somebody's experienced something exciting this week, and if we had time to share it, you could. You ch- we're going for the celebration all week long, not just coming on Sunday. You, you know what I mean? We don't. We don't go through life like this. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We, we go that it's continually going up. That listen again. It says. It's not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Doesn't that sound good? It's expecting God to show up in our life and do what He's promised to do. Listen to some more. God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know He is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are getting to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through hard times with Him, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with Him. Can I get an amen? Now, I want you to understand that a lot of times, uh, and again, where we are as a church, I, I understand we might not have been there 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, where, where we kind of looked at the Bible as a big bag of don'ts instead of what God has promised us in the big bag of these are what you get to do. That went over really exciting for some of you. Esther, I'm going to reserve my amen for a little later when I understand what you're saying. Now, now I'm going to tweak it today a little bit. I want to tweak your thought pattern and then just, just relax. Just relax. It's going to be okay. I'm going to start a series on how to be rich. I'm going to wait for a minute to let that just kind of get inside and Go to work. Okay. We have talked about walking in our identity of who God has made us. We don't rise and fall on our goals. I want to, I want to, I want to be, I'm going to be at this place and I'm going to read the Bible all this year and, and, We don't rise and fall on our goals, but on our systems. The habits create systems in our life. But here's the thing is sometimes they are in our subconscious, almost subconsciously running where we don't even know they're there. I've said it before, it's like the subconscious is this big elephant that we're riding on and we're saying, I'm going to go there and it takes a turn and we go, yeah, that's, that's where I wanted to go anyway. We've talked about until we bring the subconscious into the conscious, everything that happens to us, we're just going to call as fate. And I've got on your list there, we're going to call it things like, well, I just had bad luck. It was just a coincidence that that worked out. Or, or we here, here's a, probably the most popular one. That's just life. They write songs about it. that's just life. And really, what those phrases say, it's 
you put your faith in expecting things to go wrong. Now, the, the things that I want to remind you so that we can jump on the moving train here so that we can go fur, further and farther is when habits are running in your mind or, or habits are in your life, we all go to the negative of habits and addictions. And we're praising God when addictions uh, that are negative, you know, the ones we all go to is the things like uh, drugs and alcohol and all those things, overeat, all those addictions. When somebody is freed by the grace of God, that, that's a good day. We know that. But there's sometimes when we're doing things that are just not doing, when we can get a system in our life to go from glory to glory, and then we see that he's been changing us all the time. That we're allowing the word of God to get into our life and wash the mind, wash the brain, and then it begins, the word of God begins to transform us so that we might know his perfect and pleasing will, as Romans chapter 12 says. Now listen, you have it there on your list, and I want you to process this week when you're sitting there meditating in the Word of God, and that our habits, there's a cue that happens in our life. Something of a cue, a trigger. <laughs> I've got about five cues that went off in my mind right saying that. Things that other people can say to me, or, or uh, the person that means the most to me, She's about this high and blonde hair. We, we have cues, don't we? Triggers. People can say things. Or circumstances can come and there's a trigger that happens in our life. That's called a cue. And then there's a craving that follows that. There's a craving a lot of times that is built off of the trigger. Then there's a response on our part, an action Stick with me. And then there's the reward that we feel like is going to follow that. Now, you can handle this. We're going to go into some things during this series. And when we are talking about how to become rich, I want to just kind of free you up so if your spirit's already closed on thinking that I'm going to tell you five ways to invest in houses and, you know, three ways to, you know, get better tires on your car. Come on. You have in your notes right there, listen to this, that we are a spirit. And in being a spirit, that we're going to live forever in eternity. But we live right now on this earth in a body. But here's the thing that we're going to work on. We have a soul. And our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. A mind, a will, and emotions. Remember for, for months we've been talking about every one of us, if you say, I, I don't, you do. You have a belief system that everything that you do is based on that belief system. And out of that belief system, you make choices. Can I just kind of be simple on that fact? If you believe in gravity, you're not going to jump off of a cliff, right? Because out of your belief system... You make choices, and out of that choice comes experiences. If you jumped off a cliff, you'd have a bad day. Okay. So think about it this way as we go into this series. And, and again, we're going to use this and, and see how God works in our life. 
We have a mind, a will, and emotions. Belief system, choices, experiences. Okay. Okay. Your belief system is your mind. Your will is your choices. And your emotions are the experiences. So many times when a cue, a craving, and a response, and a reward happens and you create a habit, your brain is trying to set up a system in mind and so that you can solve problems. It's the smallest little things. To give you a, an example that I gave you a couple of weeks to get us all on the same track is you walk into a room and it's pitch black. All of a sudden there's a cue. It's dark in here. You have a craving for light so that you don't bump your foot or you can see what you're going to try to get. So you go over and turn or flip the switch and boom, electricity turns on light. So your craving out of the response that you did comes the reward. Now you can see. But let's go a little bit and today let's talk on the subject of our relationships. Because if you've been here and you, you know that I've been talking and teaching on, if, if somebody that you don't even know, you go up to them and say, hey, can I pray with you about something? Usually the three most familiar prayer requests are, are on healing. Could you pray for me? I, I'm, you know, everything from I got a bad back to, you know, grandma needs, pray, whatever. Healing. Our finances. Can you pray for me on my finances? I need to pay a school bill. I need to... And then the third one is relationships. Even our relationship with God, people pray, you know, I need a close relationship. So those three prayer requests. So this morning, let's talk about relationships. And I'll use a biblical example of somebody that comes into somebody's life. Someone really that is less in position and rank will come into someone greater's life. And because they know that the power of speaking into somebody's identity of who God says they are, all of a sudden there's a dramatic, I mean, come on, a dramatic, you're going to see it in a minute, a dramatic time in history, you could say that lives are changed. So some of those things that I've given you are there on, the, on your sheet. Let's talk about relationships Again, the soul is so many times, it's also called like the flesh. And here we are on earth and we have a body and we know that sometimes our body gets broken down and one day we'll get an eternal body. Hallelujah. We can sing about that and I get excited about singing about that. But you know what the fact is, is we, we, we'd be here now. So I, I love the song, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. You know, we can get into that. I can, I can throw my head back. I, I love that song. But we're working on our mind and our will and our emotions and how to have a mansion here, so to speak, in our soul. So that when circumstances come, when people come into our... <laughs> oh, you hear people all the time say, man, more... That's more I know people, the more I love my dog. Come on. And John, what we call the little John, John 3 or 3, 3 John 
towards the end of the Bible, right next to Revelations, the beloved disciple, I, I, I include that because my name's John. I always love that. You know who said that, right? John. <laughs> Nothing like confessing it over his own life. You know the one that Jesus, the beloved disciple, the one that leaned against him during, you know, John's writing that. I love that. I love that. So, so this, this is later on in his life. He, he's been through just crazy stuff. And he's giving a, a kind of a greeting. And, and I want you to hear the greeting. We've been talking about shalom. You know, the Jewish people say shalom, which it means nothing missing, nothing broken. It's a peace that's in somebody's life that God has the answer. Well, I didn't even give the question. I don't even care what the question is. God has the answer. Shalom. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. Have you ever lost something of your wife's? Shalom, shalom, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I like to eat dinner tonight. I like to go home tonight. All right. I want to just apologize right now to my wife sitting on the front row. All right, let's go. In 3 John chapter 1 through 4, it says this. The pastor to my good friend Gaius, how truly I love you. We're the best of friends. Now, now watch what he's praying for this guy, that is best of his friends. And I pray for good fortune in everything you do. Wait just a minute. Did he say good fortune? thought it was wrong to have good fortune in being a Christian. Apparently not. Somebody's paradigm is just being tweaked right now. Let it go. He says, I pray for good fortune in everything you do and for your good health that your everyday affairs may prosper. Whoa, whoa, whoa. As well as your soul. That's what we're going to talk about. But look at all those other things he's covering. I want you to have good fortune. I want you to prosper in everything you do, even in your mind, your will, and your emotions. Is anybody up for that beside me? He says, as well as your soul, I, I was most happy when some friends arrived and brought the news that you persist in following the way of truth. Nothing could make me happier than getting reports that my children continually, diligently are in the way of the truth. Look, look what he's saying. He's saying, because they're in the truth and because I'm a follower of Christ, I want good things to happen to you. So this morning, just again, sometimes the, the subconscious, the big elephant that we're writing says that God's good, but we're not really convinced that he wants us to be having a good life. Now again, we might say amen to the fact that he's come to give us life to the full, to the overflow, as we talked about last week. But for me, so, so again, when, when you hear passages of Scripture like this, I, I want you to realize that some of those paradigms that we have created over our lives, and maybe it's because of well-meaning people, that have a belief system that's based on their own experiences. That now they make choices to tell people, well, God's good, but He doesn't really you know, work that way anymore. 
And when people begin to make that their belief system, then they make choices out of that belief system that puts them in experiences that go back to saying, well, I guess that's just life. I guess I'm just full of bad luck. Murphy's Law, if it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong to me. And they begin to confess. And I wonder sometimes if heaven isn't up there going, quit that! That's not true! Maybe this week when you're at home and you, you might think something like that, you go, quit that! And everybody go, me? No, I'm talking to myself. Now I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 25. In 1 Samuel 25, this is a story that it puts, and again, I, I preach better if you've already read this, because there's no way a pastor has time to go into every detail of a, a passage of Scripture like we're going to do today. So I encourage you to go back and read 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel what? Okay, good. You'll remember that hopefully. Now, David is a... Let me just tell you, he's a cool dude. He's just like you and I. He's gone through life. And we live in a broken world, but he would ceased, he would not cease believing in God had good things for him in his life. He wrote the Psalms and he'd go through bad times and he'd go, man, I am in a bad, bad place, bad. And you'd almost be wore down before the end of a couple of those Psalms. But then he goes, but I put my trust in you. You know, and he'd continue to come back to the fact that God would want the best for him. He, he's the one that quoted, I believe that I'll see the, the goodness of God in the land of the living. I, we'll all know that we'll see the goodness of God in heaven when we walk on streets of gold and you know we look for the mansion, on the all those things. But he says, I'm convinced that we'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living right here. Now this is a story in David's life that he is, I, I just sum it up as that he is disappointed. He's gone through his uh, early life as a shepherd. He's anointed as king, but nobody knows it. And then he's sent back to the pasture to take care of sheep. Then he gets the opportunity to go to the battlefield and really be a pizza man. He takes, you know, bread and cheese. And, and he gets to the, the war, and a big, ugly guy named Goliath is yelling. And he's like, come on. He's not even part of our agreement. He doesn't have the covenant of God that we do. And everybody's like, take him to the king. Maybe he'll go fight for us. And sure enough, David goes down. We know the story. He kills Goliath. But after that, the Saul, the king, becomes jealous and begins to chase him all over the countryside in, in every cave and holler that he can run. And all these men start gathering to David. All the people that are disgruntled, and apparently there was quite a bit, because at this point in his life, there's about 600 men. 600, and these guys are Billy Bad. I mean, they got faces like lion. They can sling with both hands. I mean, they, they, can, they can do it. And all of a sudden, in this situation, is they have been watching the fields, and really they've been beating up on the enemy, the, the people that aren't Jewish because of all the things that are going on in this time. But they've been protecting the Jewish people, and, and they became, became a wall to those Jewish people so that they couldn't get harmed. And these 600 
Green Berets, Navy SEALs that David is commanding are out in the fields at night watching over these people. So it just happened that a season in this time period comes about where what? Now David is hungry. His men are hungry. They've been fighting for the Jews or the Israelites. And here, here's a time where the, the rich man named Nabal is shearing his sheep. His sheepies. And, and so David sends a couple of men, hey, could, could you, why don't you guys go down and just ask him for some help? Would, 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 maybe he could send us some help during this time we're out here. Now, you've you got to put yourself in David's spot. He's not just holding the rank or the position of general or leader, but he feels responsible for his men's life. All these guys that have come, he didn't ask them. They just came to him. And so <laughs> this guy Nabal that is rich, hundreds and hundreds of sheepies and, and goats, and, and, and it's time. And I'm going to summarize, and then we're going to go back, and I'll, I'll show you how this subconscious works in our relationships with one another. It says that, the men come to Nabal and he says, are you kidding me? Who is David? And he turns them down and makes fun of David's identity. Now he run, they go back to David and they say everything that Nabal said. They pretty much said, he don't think you're all that. David said, oh, really? Anybody say Q here? We're going to talk about the queue. And it didn't happen on I-35 at rush hour. Thank you, God. Amen. Just a little forgiveness right there, grace. But the Bible says that David looks at his 600 men and says, you 200, stay with the supplies. 400 of you guys, strap on your swords. We're going to go get them. They take off to kill all of Nabal and his men, all the household of Nabal. I'm summarizing. We'll go back and read this. And it says that Abigail, Nabal's wife, I want to bring this up and I'll bring it up again. I just go through this. But first of all, she was, it describes her as intelligent and beautiful. Come on. In our society, she's smart and hot, okay? And the Bible says that they are on their way when Abigail, somebody in the household, goes to Abigail and says, you got to act quick because here comes this you know, group of David's men. They're going to kill us. And so she gets all this food together, runs out, gets on her donkey, and all the people that are carrying the stuff, they all this, all this clan goes out to meet David and his men, fully armored, ready to go kill them. And she falls down and she pleads her case, which is the main part of my message today. And David goes... You brought understanding to me that I could not see. And here's my view. Here's my interpretation. Because I was running so much on my subconscious system of who I was at this moment. But I'm not going to do that. And instead of killing Nabal and all the men in the house, the Bible says that David takes the offering, which is a bunch of food that she had brought, and leaves. The next day, 
or she goes home and Nabal is drunk, having a big festival, feast. And so she waits until the morning and then she goes in when he's sober and says, hey, just want to let you know that David was going to kill you and he decided not to. And the Bible says that he had a heart attack and a stroke and in 10 days died. That's the summary. Now you have the summary. I want you to see some of the points that are going to work in your life with your relationships. The person at work, the person that you are married to at home, your, your sons, your daughters, all those people that really, that when we come down to saying, we want you to have an abundant life to the full, to the overflow, you realize that it works in your relationships. That's how you enjoy life to the full. That's how you enjoy life to the full. So watch this. We'll start again. It says that there was a certain man in Maon who had a property there in Carmel, was very wealthy. So he, he's loaded. It says he has a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing at Carmel. His name was Nabal and his wife was Abigail. She was intelligent and beautiful. But her husband was surly and mean in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. You know, Gwen and I talked about this this week. Uh, Caleb, or out of his ancestry, remember he was with Joshua. He was like the one that said, you know, I'm a thousand years old, but I'm still strong today as I was then. Give me that mountain. And he gets one of the choice pieces of all of Israel because of his faith in God throughout all those years. It's an amazing story. So we don't know how this guy, Nabal, one of his descendants, he has been given that kind of legacy, but he's taken it, and now he is being identified as surly, hot-tempered. Even his name means fool. Long ways from what was offered him as an uh, maybe as a, an identity out of who he comes from to where he is today, but he but he is very wealthy. And again, I want you to understand that just because he was wealthy doesn't mean because he was surly. We don't even know the whole story. We don't know if he inherited a lot of his wealth. We don't know what happened if he stole it, whatever. But he was a wealthy man at this time. Now, now listen, this is where David is going to ask for aid. And, and, in, and he's going to look at David, his men, and go, David's a nobody. Now watch this. It says, David, it says, Nabal, in verse 10, answered the man, David, he says, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Do you hear this? Who is the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days, talking about King Saul. In verse 11, why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for the shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? Now, does anybody see the invisible elephant that David's going to be riding on when he hears these words? Look, look at the cue. He's being attacked in his identity. Have you ever been attacked in your identity? Someone called you something that you shouldn't have been? And instead of going, <laughs> what? No, I'm not that. Like I said before, if you're ever walking down the airport, you know, the big terminal, and someone says, hey, stupid! You don't turn around. Come on, keep walking. They're not talking to you. But there's something that goes off on the inside when somebody looks at us and calls us, you little whatever. 
And, and there's something about our culture that, you know, we're Americans, but, <laughs> but we're Texans. I said, hello. Yeah, I know, but you said it wrong, so let's fight. Who knows what's going off on some people's mind when the cue happens? The trigger. And listen, because someone's treating you bad and calling you or even speaking into your identity, you don't have to receive that. But, but listen to this. Here's David. Do, do you, can you just see some, knowing the Bible, do you know some of the background of David that you could see possible cues going off? Do you, do you remember David's brother at the Goliath whooping? Do, do you remember? Oh, I know who you are. You're just a little guy that wants to come see the battle. That could have been a cue back then that it started. And when someone starts speaking in his identity, he had that knee-jerk reaction. Let's go. How, how about this one? Remember his father Jesse when he when Samuel comes to anoint one of his sons and, and one of your sons is he forgets David way out on the pasture they call for him and they, Samuel says we're not even going to sit down until he comes who knows how far he was from the house that they were all in but how long they had to wait but I'm sure he realized David realized my dad didn't even think that I was going to be king or one that God would pick as king. Identity. But how about this one also? Remember Saul? Even during everything that was happening with Goliath on that day, he kept saying, who is this guy's father? Who, who is this guy? And eventually, he'll speak against David as just a person that's going to come and steal his kingdom and goes to chase him. That's where he's at right now in his life, David is. So here's a guy that's under him in rank, Nabal. And Nabal doesn't have 600 men at his disposal. So the cue goes off in David's life. He's speaking against my identity. Can anybody just guess what his craving is at that moment? Blood. Like a shark that just tastes... You know what I mean? He's like, oh, you didn't. He was a lady, he'd throw a hip. You know what I mean? If I could just see that guy die, oh, it'd make me feel so good. Mind, will, and emotions. The emotion of watching him get what's coming to him. So his response is, it says this, he looks at his guys. I want you to hear how it says it. Here's the response. He looks to his men, he says, each of you strap on your sword. So they did. But watch this next thing that they made sure to get in the word of God. It says this. So they did, and David strapped on his as well. Why? Because he has a craving to see justification. He sees the to answer the why. Why am I? Because I, I have to. I have to show him I'm boss. The 
the assumed reward is going to be that. I, I feel justified. Anybody in my place could say, yes, there's not a, a, a jury in the land that would make me guilty. Do, do you hear all the excuses that go off in your mind? David's mind was going off just like that. My mind, I have a reason. The cue, he said something bad about me. The craving is, I want justice. The response is, oh, here I come. And the assumed reward is going to be that I receive the satisfaction, the feeling, the emotion. All part of our soul, mind, will, and emotions. But look at this in verse 23. Someone of lower statue. In other words, this, this is a person that has no way in the reality of this time period, to make a difference on a man named David. But her name is Abigail. We've talked about what's in your hand, and Moses had a staff, and all those things God will use. Well, she had her beauty. That didn't hurt. But she did have intelligence enough in her Mind, will, and emotions to say, wait just a minute, David. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, now I don't want to insult your intelligence, but I do want to read it to you. And I want you, as we do this and we wrap up today, I want you to see how somebody that has, um, you could say high IQ, intelligent quotient, but also has high EQ, emotional quotient, so she can see, whoa, whoa, what, and just in the way of coming and being able to speak to David, all of a sudden changes the situation. It says, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. It's a way of worship, but also it's a place of humility. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord. Again, putting her in a place of servanthood. Have you ever realized if somebody's hot, boy wants to just chew the bark off a tree, if you humble yourself, a lot of times they'll just be like, well, at the end of the conversation, right then it's, but a lot of times at the end of the conversation, they'll realize, ooh, I didn't look too good, and even apologize. But boy, if you got that chest and that John Wayne, no, we'll go for Boy, they'll fight you until you're gone. Okay, I can't make a comment on every verse, so we're just going to go through this. Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to the wicked uh, man Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. And for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, as you live... Since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, do you hear what she's saying? God has prevented you from avenging yourself. Well, give me a minute. He's thinking. He says, she goes on to say, May your enemies and all who intend on harming my Lord be like Nabal. Which again, in his mind, might be going to King Saul. Well, he's... So she's speaking to his identity. Verse 27, and says, And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Which again, should disarm you from being so mad. Because really what you're mad at is I'm giving it to you right now. Food. Verse 28, Please forgive your servant's presumption 
In other words, I don't know everything that you're thinking, but I'm going to humble myself. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. Come on, this is what God had promised, and Jesus will come through the lineage of uh, David. Abigail is smart. She's speaking the truth in love to somebody that is at a red level. If he had a dashboard, it would be blinking. Check engine, check engine, you're going to burn up. Hmm. Because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Do you think he's listening to this going, wow. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lies of your enemies will hurl away from the pocket of a sling. Do you hear what she's doing? Reminding him that that's what happened to Goliath. And that Saul's chasing him, and she's saying, be, be careful. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing that he has promised, so if he's going to be against Abigail and what she's saying right now, he's going to be about what God had promised. So all of a sudden you can imagine he's coming down from being so hot. He's burning up. Someone, She's got a squirt bottle. Temperature's coming down. Let's go at verse 30. When the Lord has fulfilled my Lord every good thing he has promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. She is so convinced that he is what she is saying is true. She's saying, when you receive everything, remember me. David said to Abigail, I was a moron. No, he didn't say that. But really, he comes to the grips with, I was acting wrong. I was walking in the identity of what Nabal spoke over my life instead of what and who God said that I was. And he goes, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to me. To meet me, may you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day, from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, listen, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand, what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. Let me just tell you the end of the story real quick. He dies, and after he's dead, David sends word, What you doing? I've got a wedding planned. Would you like to be there as the bride? And she said, I think I would. Organ music played, and she became his wife. Do you understand that 
later he will allow that anger or that lust to take a hold of him and not even follow what he knew earlier on in his life. Another sermon, another day. But again, as we talk about how to be rich, there's a trigger, the cue, that we think that it's only money, money, money. Huh? But it's so much more. The soul is made up of your mind, your will, and emotions. We're going to spend time in the next couple weeks developing why we're lacking in our soul and how to become wealthy promises of God in our life. And, and when we get in those places to realize with confidence that as we walk out as a believer, that God is on our side, that we realize that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that even in the presence of our enemy, that he provides a feast for us. But listen, but our cup overflows. And the reason why our cup overflows, it's the same reason as when we become money, actually wealthy, that it's a reason why we do that is we're blessed in order to be a blessing. What we're talking about in this series is when we become wealthy in our mind and our will and our emotions, just like Abigail. Let me tell you, there are people that are desperate in poverty looking for someone to show up in their soul and to speak life to them to divert tragedy, to, to bring back restoration in families that don't even see how. I don't like him. I don't like her. But you do. You know how. Through the wisdom of God, because of the wisdom of the Word of God, actively alive in children that are of God. And that's you. And everybody said Amen. Let's pray. Father, today, allow us to build, God, our, our belief systems based on the Word of God, not on other people's experiences or even our experiences. Because, God, we know that your promises are yes, and it's up to us to say amen. It, just because other people didn't mix your promises with faith doesn't make you a liar. God, we choose to walk in your ways. God, when we mess up, God, we know your grace is there to forgive us so that we can get back on the right track. And Father, through the Word of God that we see, it's, the Word of God is like a lamp. It's like a headlights that we can see in a dark world. Where to go, where to, what to do, and when to turn here, and when to turn there. God, I just pray for my friends this week. That God, as they process what they heard today, that they begin to observe that the things happen in their life, in the subconscious, that God, that they begin to break by the power of the Word of God. Father, that they begin to walk, even though they, for a while it's going to feel like crawling. But then one day that they'll begin to walk in a whole new light. Father, they begin to see the things that you promised them. And they begin to expect not on just life or bad luck, or, but God, they begin to expect, look, and long for you to show up as Isaiah did. God, I pray that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
I want you to take home the sheet of paper that I handed out today. And, and just again, just a couple times a week, maybe, maybe every day, maybe, you know, put it by your bed, maybe put it by the refrigerator, put it somewhere that you see it. And then again, ask yourself, and then pray, God, what is running in my life that's not based on the Word of God? It's based on my own experience. It's based on somebody that meant well in my life. But it's just not right. It's not the Word of God. And as long as I continue to run that system, that habit in my life over and over and over, I shouldn't question why I continue to get what I've always got. Time for a change. Time for a change. This morning, if you'll stand with me, in a few minutes, I'm going to let you go. And I speak over your life right now that you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. What does that mean? You're going to go give flavor. You're going to go give a radiant light in a dark world. Walk in your identity as the child of God. Ready? All right. Go get them. <laughs>